Hello, I'm Andrew Jupin. Chris Cabin. Eric Siska. And we hate movies. Everyone, welcome to what a stupid way. Of, hello, everyone. Hello. I'm here to introduce you to the show. <laughs> what a shitty way. I've been doing 160 some odd times. I fucked it up. Hey. All right. Well, anyway. Hey. Hey. Hey there. Hey. <laughs> oh. Hey. Welcome to We Hate Movies, a comedy podcast that revolves around bad movies. Uh, today we're talking about Under Siege 2 Dark Territory. From 1995, directed by Jeff Murphy. Uh, woof. It's Bit a Steven Seagal woofer. No, I mean, there's no dog in this at all. <laughs> I wish. wish there was a dog. Yeah. Give me oh, a dog. If it was like a, a dog, like, so, like solving all these puzzles on a train, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> or if it's like a bomb disposal dog, like it has to swallow the bomb and then like runs outside wait, wait, and the wait. bomb... Detonates within the dog. No, no, no. Those dogs <laughs> sniff out bombs. You're thinking of the dog from The Mask. <laughs> They're not all like that? No. No, they no, usually no, just no. sniff them out and then human beings handle the rest. Or no, sometimes th- robots. Are you th- really? Yeah, you're, you're really thinking of The Mask right now. Although we should develop those dogs. It would be a booming industry. <laughs> uh, so this is a sequel to the 1992 uh, original yeah, Under Siege. I yeah, I think it's 92. Yeah, I just watched yeah. last night. I did wa- finally got to do one of those things where I watched the sequel and the original on the same night. I'm did you, oh, did doing you watch, my homework for did WHM. Did you watch all the, uh, the Under I watched Siege? it in its entirety. Oh, okay, cool. I... Uh... I only watched like the first 45 minutes or so of the first movie before I had to turn this one on. And I think it really holds up. I think it's a. Totally the first one totally flick. holds up. I would posit that the first movie is how. Uh, is how Tommy Lee Jones came to be cast as Two Face. Because he is. Off the rails in that He's movie. out of control in that movie. I don't remember. Here's the thing with Under Siege is I don't remember a lick of what goes on in that movie. I really don't. What? Like, all right, I'll, I'll give you a quick recap before we get into. I mean, Siege I 2. know the plot. He gets on the wait. Then what the hell do you not know? Like, I don't like what. Ha- okay, he gets on the boat. Well, he's already on the boat. First of all, so he's, you're already wrong. Oh, he's the God, cook on the. He's the cook on the boat. Mixed up. You're all mixed up. They're he's gonna the cook get, on the yes, boat, and then terrorists come and take over the boat. Right. They're gonna decommission the boat. And then Tommy Lee Jones, disguised as a blues musician, like a rocker blues musician, takes over the boat with his band, with Gary thanks Busey. to the help of turncoat Gary Busey. I do remember the Busey element. Of as a Commander and, Krill, or whatever his name and is. And Ryback Seagal was apparently once like a Navy SEAL, and like due to bad intel in Panama or some... Whatever there's, conflict there's, we were having. Yeah, the there's time. a movie that there could have been a, an Under Siege prequel. And Erica Elaniac at some point bursts half naked out of a, or full naked out of a, a There's a some, cake. there's some, She's some, topless. some, there's some, yeah, there's some topless nudity. She is playing a Playboy bunny, uh-huh. a former bunny, uh, who is not roped in. The whole thing is really weird because they're like, we want to have a party for the captain's birthday. And I'm like, I, 
think this is pretty stupid. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so half of the organization is this band who's playing the party, and then Erica Alaniac, I I can imagine only in an homage to Apocalypse Now, is the Playboy Bunny who's coming and visiting the boys in uniform, uh, and then something goes terribly wrong. I'm, I'm sure that that was the link. <laughs> I'm sure it has nothing to do with, oh, tits. Well, what, what, I was, what, uh, what I was getting at with, with Seagal is he used to be like a, oh, like a yeah. Navy SEAL. And then uh, he had bad intel from one of these egghead commanding officers. Yeah. All, don't I don't they, trust these guys with computers. Yeah. So like all of his men are killed and he blames the commanding officer, like wants to kill him or something. And then he's just like, well, to get my pension, I'll just be your cook. I'm just going to cook food. Yeah. And uh, it's like, since when can you decide what you do in the military? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I don't it's weird. I don't believe that's a thing you can do. But I think it's a thing that because he's so goddamn good. Like the whole mo- that whole first movie is just him being like, oh, you don't like the way I play? Well, go take it up with the captain because he's got my back. And I'm like, oh, all right. Yeah. Exactly. He's like a teacher's pet. It's really but Gary Busey, I think, actually, it's that kind of cocky behavior that makes Gary Busey so envious to the point that he becomes a traitor to his own nation. Because Tommy Lee Jones is going to uh, steal a bunch of warheads and right. sell them to some other countries. You know what I love about that first movie is the fact that they, t- they take time to set up the world of the ship. You really feel the atmosphere and what the day-to-day is of that military ship. You re- it really feels like a real place. Yeah, and I'll yeah. tell you another thing about that first movie. And it's something we have problems with a lot on this show. But not here. That first Under Siege movie, one hour and 39 minutes. And it still gets done everything that it needs to get well, done without any fucking around. If there's one thing I give Seagal, I think, more than I give any of, uh, of his ilk, uh, is that he does make these movies at a clip. It's, an, it's, oh, yeah. it's almost always a 90-minute, no longer than 100 minutes. Yep, and it, you're in and out. These hard, those hard to kill movies, you know, licensed. I don't know how many of those fucking movies there are. It's like well, out for uh, justice, hard to kill. Yeah, there's a few marked for death. Marked for death. I mean, uh, on dangerous all, ground. I mean, it's just a on lot. deadly ground. On deadly ground. I think they're all. Yeah, they're all halt pretty and much catch like fire. <laughs> goes on and on and on. <laughs> Is he on halt and catch no. fire? Oh, I, <laughs> just, I was gonna say it, he's it been, sounds like a Sagali. Uh, you're totally right. I was gonna say he's been grossly miscast. You're gonna halt and catch fire. Catch Is this fire? an, <laughs> an MS DOS system? <laughs> I'm going to help you reverse engineer this IBM no, computer. I don't need to look at the IBM BIOS to write this. I'm just that good. I'm a computer man. <laughs> Would you like some fruit salad with crystallized ginger? <laughs> so here we are, three years after the events of the first film. It's Under Siege 2, Dark Territory. And he's going to take a little vacation. <laughs> this he's going to so, take vacation so after off-screen... <laughs> His family is killed in an airplane crash of some sort? No, isn't it? Well, it's like his brother, his brother his and brother? his sister-in-law were, were killed in a plane crash that we know nothing about. You don't see it. Except for the tombstone at the end of the movie, though, and he finally visits his brother's grave. Oh, yeah. yeah. September 12th. Ooh. I mean, it, it means nothing. It means nothing. <laughs> but uh, I was like... Foreshadowing Ooh. the plans from the very beginning. I'm just saying, you know how on the internet they're like, 
Hey man, everything predicted that shit. Yeah, you I see just, that Simpsons episode. I, saw, I was just gonna say, I just saw that dumbass thing. Oh, the Simpsons predicted nine eleven because Bart buys a New York magazine my, that's nine dollars, and then the trade towers make the eleven. It's right there, idiot! Can't you see it? My very least favorite of those is uh, Chuck Klosterman wrote an entire essay about how he thinks Kid A predicted nine eleven. Here's a tip for anybody trying to figure out what predicted nine eleven. Nothing, Nothing predicted 9-11. Not a fucking Actually, thing. Actually, my favorite is the, the Super Tramp cover of uh, Breakfast in America or whatever. There's a whole thing about that, too. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. It, you know what? It's, Jesus it's Christ. <laughs> it's, yeah. You're right. It is unending. It is unending. Right now, someone's drumming up the next predicted 9-11. We should do a uh, an episode on loose change. Oh, man. Write well, it, be... which version, because I think there's 59 of them. Yeah. Wasn't that, everybody claimed that that movie, like, I remember hearing about this when it came out. They oh, blew like, the lid off the whole thing, man. If you, Ooh, I watched it in college. You know it. If you were caught bringing that movie into the United States, they were confiscating it. This is what someone told me no, at the weren't. time. And no, I was no, like, no. I'm pretty sure Wait that's horse second. shit. That adds up. Does it? That, that, you know what? You if know? The, oh, my God. I had to put it in a flash drive, and I had to bake it inside a thing of bread. <laughs> Why didn't you just carry it in your ass? Because it's the bread. <laughs> Why Good didn't excuse. you just carry it in your ass? Yeah, you know. Fair question. It's easy enough. The thumb drive? Is that That's the name God. of your... Uh... Your travel tips book. Hey, why do you think they call it a thumb drive, Chris? Come on. And why do you why do you think they call your ass God's purse? God gave you a purse. It's you like a can- your change. It's like a kangaroo with a pouch. Your compact is in there. Yeah, I get it. We honestly we underutilize it. It's it true. is. Oh, it's totally I mean it, it's all out. <laughs> it's all out. There's nothing in. Yeah. The opportunity's there. Just, I'm just saying, try in. I mean, we got. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people days? try in, and it's fine. Um, so this so movie, dark territory. Yeah, his, speaking <laughs> of dark territory. Oh, oh, segues. So his family's dead. The only surviving member that we know about is his niece, portrayed by uh, shockingly an obnoxious Catherine Heigl. Holy mother! Who She's thought like, she was obnoxious back then too? She was 17 or something. Oh, yeah? I'm just saying, don't, don't get any ideas. What? No, I, here's my <laughs> idea. She's uh, annoying in this movie. She is. She's yeah. very annoying. But that's the, I feel like that's, that's the character, and she excels at that character. But she's also like, I know all of Steven Seagal's fighting moves. Like, she's beating the shit out of Morris Chestnut in this movie for no reason. because well, he taught her all kinds of shit, and her father taught her all yeah, kinds of shit. Yeah, just some, like, defense tactics and stuff. Just, right. like, some takedowns. But, like, she, I mean, she doesn't matter to this movie. Like, you could have just had it. I, frankly, I would have preferred it if it was just a normal, like, look, now it was a boat, now it's on a train. Fuck it. I, yeah, I don't need a family involved. I don't need a family involved. I, I feel involved. like they're like, let's put a family in there, family element to- up the stakes a little bit. I, mean, I just was, love that it's a niece, though. It's like, in no world would he have fucked a woman, got her pregnant, had the child, and then, like, taken responsibility for it. Well, there's also, like... You're my niece, so it's okay. He might, you know, he said, I don't want to tell tales out of school. Sure. Oh, you think he's the actual father? No, I think oh. maybe he <laughs> plays for the other team. Oh, you think Ryback in the movie is supposed to be gay? Maybe. 
You you never actually well no he's definitely he's not, not because but, in that first movie he's all over uh, is he? what Erica Elaniac. Uh-huh. At the end of it, it's ridiculous oh, when shit. they're like uh, like the whole movie he's kind of flirting with her, and then at the end, I just figured the Navy, you know. <laughs> oh, well, I'm kidding. The, I'm kidding. The Navy's great. Thank at the end of the us. movie, like they're just sitting there, and he's like, "Well, guys, we did it. I killed Tommy Lee Jones by sticking my thumb in his eye, and then putting a knife through his skull." And then throwing him into a computer console and electrocuting him? I leave nothing to chance. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, and then I blew up that submarine and killed Gary Busey and 30 other guys. Point being, now he says something. It's like, oh, you think that's cool? Well, watch this. And he grabs Erica Elaniac and starts making out with her. And then all the people around them give this huge round of applause. And that's how the first movie ends. Yeah, they're going to make babies. <laughs> like, who gives this shit? Why would you ever do that? And then she slapped me with a lawsuit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Turns out she's still owned by Hugh Hefner. I got a dishonorable discharge from the Navy. Lost my house. Lost my kids. Lost my dog. <laughs> do they set it up in the second one? Is he retired? I, I, there, I there's guess like so. a sense. Yeah, because there's some business about how he was an anti-terrorist like a specialist for a while after the first oh that's supposed to be after the events of the first film he became an expert in the, the realm oh, okay. of so speaks, ter- terrorism take this back to loose change this is why it all happened is someone like steven seagal <laughs> who was i was cooking a souffle at the time when 9-11 happened <laughs> i thought it probably I, was i just got off the phone with with mr bush and said we're in the clear everything's we're good in the clear <laughs> All right, I'll tell you this. The way this movie starts off, there's a whole lot of space nonsense, and it all looks terrible. My, and I start, I start this movie, and the, the first few shots are of space. The space And shuttle. the word, Steven, the name Steven Seagal, I'm like, am I about to fucking watch a Steven Seagal in space movie? The, I yeah. almost had a heart attack. Yeah, Let me I'm tell going you. to Mars or something. <laughs> I don't think he's ever been in like a, a space? space movie, no, like okay. a sci-fi movie. Not that I can recall. Dude, him as a fucking astronaut? Look out. I think this qualifies as a sci-fi movie. Because <laughs> well, they're sending a weaponized satellite dish. Not satellite dish. A weaponized satellite into space. Yeah. and That can create the, earthquakes. Yeah. And it looks like, I thought, maybe it was the satellite for the Cartoon Network. Because this CGI is a uh, cartoon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it's bad. It's so bad. It's so, so bad. And I don't want to hear anything about low-budget this and low-budget that. I thought I, I honestly thought I had sat on the remote and it Darwin Duck, Darkwing Duck was on or some <laughs> shit. Some shit fair. like that was on. Yeah. Because there's money in this movie. There's a lot of practical effects with explosions and all sorts of stuff going on. So I don't want to hear about budgets. This is just a really bad space setup. The satellite looks like garbage. And it's unforgivable. And frankly, I'd be more happy. I don't need the full fucking, you know, Steven Seagal space. I actually prefer if it's just a preamble and they just put him in space like he's so good. They had him. He had to be on a space shuttle for some reason. (laughs) And then he comes back and then the train hijinks start. Well, maybe it's a movie about there's a terrorist attack on the International Space Station. Yeah. And the only one that can stop them is Steven Seagal for one reason or another. Sure. So they got to send him up there. I'm the only one that could hack the Hell 9000. 
Well, like like a uh, like the beginning of like a Lethal Weapon, like where it's it has nothing to do with the plot, you know, proper. Yeah, just, he has to disarm, you know, Jaws. Oh, up so so you're saying it's like a um like a Bond cold open? Yes, like precisely. Like Bond is on a mission that has nothing to do with the movie you're about to watch. It's like last week's adventure. Is finishing up. Well, I was thinking more of it. The, it's one of my favorite scenes. Is the first uh, in the first Lethal Weapon when Riggs goes out in the playground, the school shooter, and he just you know shoots the guy right in the fucking head. Oh yeah, and can't I, make those movies anymore. Nah, not really. No, no, no. Yeah, I mean, some kind of cold open like that would be hilarious if it just starts with it's like Under Siege Two, Dark Territory, and then it's like Steven Seagal in space, and he's like, wow. It's been a really wild six weeks up on this space station. Time for a vacation. And then it's just him on a train. That, here's the problem with that. It would have to be <laughs> the other way around because you can't have something as exciting as space and then go to Amtrak. <laughs> well, he's going on vacation. If he's, up, if he's been up in the fucking space station trying to stop Jaws and Moonraker, like... <laughs> But that's I, I would want a, a, that's I when I would rather, want my vacation. I would rather see him fighting Moonraker than than uh, taking a vacation. I suppose that's true. <laughs> well, the I'm important thing to remember the premise. The important thing to remember is that he never gets to this vacation. He does oh, not. Oh shit! So Kurtwood Smith's in this movie, not playing a huge scumbag, and that bothers no, me. No, thank you. No, he's just like a pretty straight and narrow uh, CIA guy of some kind. He's in, he's, he's in uniform. He's like a military. The suits. There's a, a lot of suits. <laughs> so the whole thing is they've launched the secret satellite that it's it's a weaponized satellite. Like Eric said, there's a laser on it that can kill. It's very precise. Uh, like yeah. the targeting system is very good. It's and really so on. The name of the system is Attack. Yeah, it's called Attack. <laughs> That's uh. What, it, smooth what was it called? The Grazer or something? Or the, the Grazer one is Grazer the Seattle. Is is the is not the Seattle. The satellite <laughs> itself, right, is called the Grazer and, one. And Chris, what 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 do they do when they first activate the satellite? What are they tested on? Do you remember this? Um, I do actually. Uh, it's a babe. Oh man, oh, let me man. tell you, this guy. Folks at home who have not seen this movie, they got this fucking pervert working in the government, right? Guy who, you know, this is what this is very foreshadowing of what's happening right now. The guy for no reason, he looks exactly yeah, like Barry right. Sonnenfeld. He does look like Barry Sonnenfeld. It's Barry Sonnenfeld mixed with Rick Moranis. Yeah, yeah. You're, are you shuddering yet? <laughs> so this it's Kurtwood Smith's like, uh, hey there, dumbass. Uh, you know, turn on this satellite and uh, let's see how well the the visibility is. So this clown zooms in on, like, Venice Beach, and there's this babe, and he's like, oh, look at that. And Kurtwood Smith's like, this is inappropriate. Turn it off, dumbass. And he's like, no, she's about to turn over. Yeah, it's like a Google Earth, like, zooming in on this chick. And this woman's just, like, topless sunbathing. And this guy, it's these two dudes, and they're just like, oh, yeah, like, these people are working with the U.S. military and the fucking federal you're, government. You're so fired. You're so like, fired. That minute you are fired from this huge program. And these two creeps are like five seconds away from shoving their hands down their pants. Like, it's really weird how much these guys are getting into it. And you can see everyone else in the office are just like, Larry and Barry are at it again. Mm, better Use- call HR. <laughs> there's like, the, of course, you know, because it's the mid-90s, there's only like... They got one lady who's working in the office. She's like a high up captain, and yeah. she's just like, 
rolling her fucking eyes like, oh, Larry. Oh, boys Mary. will be boys. Like, fucking dude, are you serious? This is a huge weapon that can create earthquakes. Yeah, it's uh, not to be toyed with. Not for you to look at your pornography. You uh, uh, assumedly know what the internet well, is at this point, Well, to boys. be fair, to be fair, the Grazer one is probably way faster than the internet that's at this true. point in 1995. It's not dial-up, that's for certain. Oh, yeah, no, this is... Uh, Quite quick. You want you know you want those Jenna Jameson picks. You can get them right quick with attack. <laughs> oh, Captain Janeway, what's the fucking comic book guys download? Oh, what is it? Internet King. <laughs> Perhaps he can get me faster pornography or whatever it is. Um, yeah. So this is this is the whole setup, and it's like, oh, this is very hush hush. The actual government doesn't know about it. We're like a secret branch. Blah blah blah. So sorry that our uh, our lead developer of this satellite happened to die recently. <laughs> no more information given about that, really. Yeah, My and favorite. we never found the body. Nobody. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, my favorite little note about this whole scene is that they're in this, you know, obviously very you know secret, uh, highly secure area where they're testing this thing. But uh, and it's supposed to be like the best, you know, state of the art technology. Right. Mm-hmm. They have when they're trying to zoom in on this lady's uh, TNA, mm-hmm. they are they have to have a mouse clicking it to zoom in, <laughs> and it's like an old fashioned big fat mouse yeah. clicking on the screen. It's, Let me tell you, that mouse was probably top over the line in nineteen ninety five. At that point, it's possible. And I bet it was sticky. <laughs> <laughs> so then Steven Seagal picks up. Catherine Heigl at the train station. Can I just say, there was yes. a quick shot of Steven Seagal, like, remembering Catherine Heigl as, as, a, as a youngster. Mm-hmm. And there's this hilarious shot of him at her birthday party with this giant cake there, and he's in his dress whites. Oh, yeah. And it is hysterical. I, we, I, I need this photo. If anyone somehow <laughs> has a copy of this photo, oh, boy. Oh, boy. You want the framed on your mantle. And by the way, Steven Seagal throughout this whole movie, because he's such a badass, uh-huh. is wearing nothing but black. Yeah. And I got to thinking, is it because he's that many times over a black belt that all of his clothes are made out of, of black belts? It's belt? possible. <laughs> the whole thing is black? Yeah, it's all black belts. He just makes a jacket out of black belts. So together so all together. these black belts. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe he's that goddamn good at martial arts i think so i think i mean why else would he i wouldn't know because i mean he honestly has what three fight scenes in this movie and one that ex- that last yeah seagal doesn't have like he has some fight scenes but it's not like a big like i come to a, a lot of a seagal fu- movie yeah. i'm looking for a big fu- a bunch of big fucking fights a lot of it it's just him slamming some guy on the neck and then it goes he goes down running away yeah and like i, I want the big fight man well See, now this is the one problem with watching both movies back-to-back in the same night. Mm-hmm. Is it in this movie or is it the first one where he rips out that dude's throat? That's the first one, I believe. Is it? Because so, that's yeah. cool. All right, that's that not in cool. this one. <laughs> in both of, the, uh, both of the movies, though, he has um, close quarters uh, hand-to-hand combat with knives, though. Yeah. In and the first movie, it's Tommy Lee Jones. And then in this one, it's Everett McGill. Yes. You, Twin Peaks Everett McGill. <laughs> you might know Playing him as, a, as Big Ed from Twin Peaks. <laughs> he, yeah, so he murders Big Ed from Twin Peaks. <laughs> also, the priest in Silver Bullet. Oh, right, yeah, the, a.k.a. Uh, the werewolf. Yeah. So we're on this train. Steven Seagal instantly best friends with this whole train crew. 
This part bothers me. He is like well, chatting up this bartender, Morris Chestnut, who plays like the bellhop or whatever. Well, Morris the Chestnut, porter. the porter. Morris Chestnut is in love with Catherine Heigl from the get go. He takes her back. He gets her on the train. And um, by the way, uh, Mr. Seagal has, or, or sorry, Casey Ryback. Just so we have yeah, that, please, please, yeah, Mr. Casey Ryback. Ryback. Um, he, he has the fuck. It, it's those lines that it should have been a joke that somebody said to the movie, but it's in the movie instead. Where it, Catherine Heigl says some, you know, thing where like she's like, "Oh no, we're in separate cabins because I can't fucking deal with you right now." Right, and he's like, "Guess I'm not trained for this." <laughs> yep. Shut the fuck up. Yep. Yeah, you're goddamn right that you're that happens. Navy well, SEAL, you can handle a ch- you know, a mouthy teenager. I'm he, sorry. He brought a teddy bear to give to her as a gift and she's like 17, 18 years old. It's so awkward. He's like, "Uh no, uh, you can you collect teddy bears." I was like, "Guaranteed she stopped doing that 10 years ago." Guaranteed it's been a no, decade. You're going to be doing this for the rest of your life, right? <laughs> That's always such a dumb thing you see in movies and TV, like when an absentee relative who hasn't seen like a younger relative since they were a little child, but now they're clearly an adult or like a teenager, just assumes that they're the same person they were when they were like six years old. And he's like, oh, I know you like, I know you like wearing corduroy overalls. Here's some more corduroy overalls for you. What are, you know, they always do that in movies, and it's like... Oshkosh Oshkosh It's like... Oh, my God. I butchered that. Like You well, butchered it like, like Casey Ryback butchers these terrorists. Yes, with a knife. God. No, but it's just like, when you haven't seen a young child in, in years, like a decade or whatever, yeah. just get a fucking gift certificate. Yeah. I gotta, or... The kid could just not be an asshole for five seconds and like, oh, great, you know, bounded cover of Goosebumps, the new edition. <laughs> Fantastic. Right. Like, and just, just fucking eat it up, it. man. Like, Your the, parents are dead. Yeah. Casey Ryback's the best you got. Yeah, seriously. Don't look a gift horse in the mouth, or in this case, a gift bear. I got a little casting notice here. Um, that barmaid he's flirting with at the start there. Yeah. Originally, uh... Jenny McCarthy came into audition. Oh, to, oh, right! I, I, I heard much this. Yeah, dismay. I read this. To much dismay, that would have Steven been. Steven Seagal demanded she take her clothes off during the audition, allegedly. Right. And this is a man that was also allegedly <laughs> accused of having sex slaves in his basement. So, yeah, sex it's dungeon, also- or was it? Were there actual slaves, or was it like a just a dungeon? There were. Uh, it was like. You're my assistant now, and my assistant gets down and dirty. Yeah, I don't know. Was it an assistant, or was it weird, like, cleaning crew? I'm not sure of the person. I don't remember the story. And also, I think it was a weird, like, him and his wife. Like, it wasn't just him. Mm. They just had some people around possibly against their will. I don't really remember what the story was. Yeah, I remembered. I remember You're trying to leave talk. this house. I'm going to do a keto on you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do. I just remember the dungeon. I never remember that they actually had people <laughs> in there. Just remember the dungeon. Uh, no, I there just was remember someone, the dungeon. There was someone who brought the lawsuit from time spent in dun- said dungeon. <laughs> oh. After she completed time served. You build a dungeon, dungeon right now in your basement, Chris. You're in the clear. Really? When you start putting pe- ladies down there. Yeah. Yeah, didn't you see that SVU with Josh Molina? Did Josh Molina have a dungeon? He's a, he's got a dungeon. 
uh, and he starts writing all these fantasies on uh, websites saying like, I know that game. I have a dungeon and I want to like take kids here and cut them up and butcher them and everything. So then like he gets caught in a sting somehow via Kevin from the office somehow. I don't remember. (laughs) Point is they go to his apartment. They find a secret dungeon. But the thing about it is they can find no DNA. Like it's clear to them that like, no, it's apparent. It's not clear to them. It's apparent that. None of the instruments have ever so been used. His cleaning crew didn't oh. talk. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is this sounds like a real cannibal cop situation. It's kind of like a cannibal cop thing, except he was like a photographer. Um, For listeners who do not, do not know, oh yeah, that's a, local news. An NYPD officer was arrested for trying to go kidnap and eat women, and uh, he got released from jail for lack. For he got overturned the ruling. Or yeah, they got yeah. lack of evidence, I believe. Yeah, and he had to race home, too, because, man, after a day in court, he was starving. starving. <laughs> That's uh, humor. No, no, yeah. <laughs> so Under Siege 2. So we got Morris Chestnut. Oh, the thing I was going to say about Morris Chestnut that I actually applaud this movie for. It's 1995, and we are at a time in society still where nobody has to do shit about anything, like, socially, you know? But in this movie, in this Hollywood movie, you got Morris Chestnut who is just out and out hitting on Katherine Heigl. Katherine Heigl shows interest mm-hmm. in him. The, the flirtation is back and forth. And Steven Seagal doesn't have a problem with it. There's no, like, I don't want you hanging out with any of them kind yeah. of a thing. It's just like, here's a dude and here's a chick. And they're, like, flirtatious. And then also, amongst uh, Everett McGill's group of terrorists, is just this black woman who's this amazing assassin character. Yeah. And it's just like, for for this time, you just did not see that in, in movies. And Isn't it interesting that we look back at 1995 like it's 1955? It fucking might as well have been for it, a lot of reasons. And it really spoiler might well alert, Morris Chestnut also does not die. You would yeah. think he would be the first he's one not the, out of there. He's not the first one getting tossed off the train. But no, it isn't. It's these, it's that couple that are fucking. It's the scientists. The, well, the, the the commanders or the scientists. Right. So let's get down to what the the right. meat of this story is here. So yeah. they're on the train. Yes. Who the, else the, is on the train? Well, finally, the train <laughs> stops. There's a bunch of terrorists on the train when it starts and it goes off. Including what's his name? Peter Green, Peter the Green, bad guy from the Red mask. Foot, Red Foot from Usual Suspects. And now when the train stops, is it? Did I spy a Jonathan Banks out there? You got a hairy uh, head of hair Jonathan Banks. I felt like he wasn't in this movie enough. He's not. It's criminal. He has a bigger part in Free Jack than he does well, in this movie. Well, it's weird because they do Same all... director, too, right? Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's Jeff Murphy. Oh, shit. I wonder if they're, like, best buds. Okay. Probably not. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's the thing is Eric Bogosian who plays (laughs) Eric Bogosian who plays the main the main baddie along with Everett McGill. And so Eric Bogosian, just so we don't lose track of there's a lot of characters in this movie. Eric Bogosian is the uh, the the scientific technical developer that made the satellite who has faked his own death. Dane. Travis Dane. Travis Dane. Because because uh, 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 what's his name? Red from that '70s show fired him uh, for one reason or another. I, uh, you know what? I tell you, it wasn't getting fired for is fucking looking at naked ladies on the satellite feed. You don't get fired for that, apparently. You think you could fly, Grazer One? <laughs> <laughs> See, that's what I'm talking about, yeah. though. What, what is this actor's name? Why am I drawing a blank? Eric Bogosian? No, Kurtwood Kurt Smith. Smith. Kurtwood Smith. Thank you. 
That's what he needs to be playing at all times. He's Play not. It's Boddicker, yeah. I mean, or I mean, he's great as Red in that '70s show, but that's like a crotchety, funny character. He's not yeah. even crotchety in this movie. No. He's just a milk toast general. Well, honestly, yeah. I mean, he was also decent as the uh, president of the Federation in Star Trek VI. Oh yeah. yeah. All right, well, that he's was one okay. Of those guys milk toasty. Sh- he, he 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 will show up in those roles, and you just I mean, you look in the '90s, and that's all Kurt Wood Smith is doing. Yeah, that's yeah. true. It's just a bummer. Yeah, I know he's such a great actor, but anyway. So anyway, yeah. So Eric Bogosian, Eric Bogosian, and Everett McGill as Penn. Uh, his his muscle, right? Um, is, is, they, te- is Teller there? His Teller. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, that was bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> or the Arthur Penn film, Penn and Teller get killed. Uh, See what I did? All there? kinds of connections. Yeah, there you go. All right. <laughs> so they stop this train in the middle of the tracks, and they board it, and they have like I mean a fucking small army with them. Oh yeah, it's no joke. Everett McGill says, uh, "All right." Figure it out. You got four minutes, and they just infiltrate this train. They kill all the staff, like the engineer, the wait staff. Right. One, actually, one of the engineers has a line where was like, "We must be in dark. We territory. must be in dark territory." Oh, the first of seven times dark territory is said in this film, at least, including an exchange that I believe goes something like, "Dark territory. What's dark territory? Dark territory is." And I was like, yeah. "Whoa, whoa." Every time slow some, down. Every He's time, a territory that's shaded. Yeah, every time anyone says dark territory in this in this movie, they they it's like they know they have the titular line. They're like, oh, yeah. they're but like really everyone, amping it up for everyone thinks that they're the only yes. one that has it though. Yes, You're totally got, right. They only got the sides for the day. They probably didn't yeah. have the whole script or didn't give a shit. I'm the one that gets to say dark territory. Oh fuck. Hey guys, when you go to the theater, look for my engineer character. Yeah. <laughs> I get to say the name of... The, I get to say, we're under siege in Dark Territory. <laughs> uh, Gary, like seven other people said it too. No, fuck. So, yeah. So they board this train. They kill everybody. The only staff that's left alive is Morris Chestnut, the bartender who's not played by Jenny McCarthy. Right. And, and they also... Yeah. Well, they, there's there's two people who knew of like... The attack program, the a- well, attack. There's a couple of uh, like captains, captains in who the have the yeah. launch codes. Bogosian yes. worked with these two captains, and the captains took over for him when he, you know, faked his own. By the way, an off-screen faking death—that's like quite a lot. Open, it open with it. Open well, with yeah. it. I see. I want to agree with you guys, but also that's the kind of decision making that's keeping this movie under two hours. So you got to kind of, you, you know, give would, a little bit. I would have much rather, like, well, he just disappeared. Like, I don't need, he faked. Do you have any idea what it takes to fake a fucking death? I don't, but I assume it's everything. That's true. Chris has failed numerous attempts. This is actually, this. you just reminded me of something, and I want to put this out to the internet to see if I can have this question answered for me. There is a film from, I believe, the early 2000s, uh, I don't remember what country it's from. It's an it's an Asian film where a guy he's an artist he fakes his own death as an art project, and then he's like, "What what would happen if I faked my own death?" And then he spies on his family and watches them grieve and everything. That's fucked up. Yeah, it's super fucked up. I don't remember if it's from Hong Kong or if it's Japan. Hmm. I don't remember wh- what country the movie came out of, but we had, it was a movie we watched in school. 
and it's haunted me for years that I haven't been able to think of this movie. And every time Fake in Your Own Death comes up, inevitably I go back to thinking about that film. So if you know what that movie was, at Jupin on Twitter or we all hate movies at gmail.com. For a minute there, I thought you were going to bring up Polly Shore is Dead. <laughs> and I was going to say, you know what, Andrew, don't do it. <laughs> You know what? Let me let me stop you right there. I think I think you're about to talk about Paulie Shore's well, dead. Here's Just the here's the twist. He was alive the whole time. Oh, oh shit, buddy. <laughs> so I mean, uh, Steven so, Seagal as as this is all happening, you know, he's hiding in a freezer after he showed the entire waitstaff how to make a cake. Like I give a shit. Oh my god, we have. <laughs> oh, let's yeah. let's really walk you through this one, folks. Because, because remember, in the first film. He's a chef. I, I cook for the captain. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So and now he has a newton to carry all his fucking ingredients. He's just hanging out on this shit. I almost said ship, but that's wrong. It's a train on this this movie. So he's hanging on the train and just like bullshitting with the staff. And then we just like cut to him hanging out in the kitchen with all these. The kitchen of this train because it's like a luxury train. Yeah. And there's these chefs like, you know. These guys look like Chef Boyardee's. They got the hats yeah, and they everything. Got the hats, they have the whole thing. And he's just like, and see that—that's just how you make a cake. I taught you something. It's not just making a cake. It's making a cake in a microwave. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah which I didn't know you could do. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna try that. <laughs> hey, I can microwave a cake. Hmm. I think that's one of the explosions that happens in the beginning of the movie. <laughs> I'm gonna take this microwave cake and make it blow up. It's a flavor explosion. <laughs> So he hides in the freezer after because the the terrorists kill all of the cooks. And the captains stop fucking each other because they're in a a sleeper car and they're having this affair. One's a woman, one's a man. Yep. Oh, right, because it's like, you know, against protocol to get down to fucking. Yeah, honestly, for 1995, this is some of the sexiest business casual you will see. (laughs) Well, I was this woman's s- this woman's getting railed with like a a tan blazer on. Well, oh yeah, was- and those chinos <laughs> right around the ankles at this point. I was gonna say one of my favorite lines in the entire movie is, "The terrorists stop the train, shoot a bunch of people, and somehow this all gets over their love making music." And the dude is like, huh, "What was that?" Oh, and yeah. she says, "It's called a." Orgasm. Oh yeah, that's an orgasm. <laughs> they also job, guys. hilariously in this train car, like for this rendezvous, which also let me point out that those two are on their way to uh an air show somewhere. Or they're allegedly going to an air show well, some, yeah. or some shit. Uh, but she has brought a huge boombox on the train, yeah. and she's bl- it's like a CD boombox tape player combo. Remember those? She's got one of those, and she's just playing this music on this boombox that she brought onto a train specifically to cover up the sounds of fucking. Yeah, it's like this is all, this is some premeditated sex. It's man. all it's like men to boys kind of stuff. <laughs> men to boys. Well, because oh. it's definitely not boys to men. It's, yeah, it's yeah, the, yeah, it's the shitty other side. It's well, totally fake nineties R and B. Speaking of fake garbage, <laughs> garbage. <laughs> so the reason why Eric Bogosian and Everett McGill, ha- you know, take over this train, train right? Yeah, is because they're moving. So their computer magic they will in, they will do <laughs> yeah. will be untraceable, 
question mark. Yeah, that make, no, no, makes sense. There's also something about electromagnetic something or other, and I was like, really with a train? I don't know what's going on. Why so- not just at that point just say you control a space monster? <laughs> really? Like, I mean, f- frankly, if you're gonna do this whole fucking silly shit, like, and I understand it you is, want to have the technical oh. dialogue. But, like, man, is it stupid. By the way, Eric Bogosian in this movie is asking for one billion dollars. Which, I mean, that's outrageous because... In 1995? In 95, like... That was actual money back then. But, like, it was feasible. I mean, we had billionaires in 1995. Oh, yeah, we still do. I mean, we still do, but... That's the thing. If you're doing this, you're you listen, Eric, you have a device Ooh. where you can launch a laser from space yeah. and target planes that are flying midair. Trains and automobiles. <laughs> Beach babes. Oh yeah. Chinese chemical plants where they presumably make Chinese versions of the Joker. All of these things <laughs> can happen with this satellite that you control. Yeah. And no one can catch you. Yeah. And all you're asking for is a billion dollars. And the follow-up line is, oh, I owe some people some money. So you're not being crazy greedy, like I want $100 billion. But you also have amassed a debt of $1 billion? Where the hey, fuck have you been gambling? But also, <laughs> someone who's so quick to kill everyone, why not just kill whoever you owe money to? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> cause exactly. an earthquake in their heart. I mean, well, it's- what a shock. Uh, it's that line is one of several, almost dare I say, countless times Eric Bogosian says something stupid or yeah. unfunny. I I said this before. Sorry, he is the ham and the cheese in this movie. <laughs> it is just unbelievable. Every single thing that comes out of his mouth is insufferable. You just I can't even believe it. I can't believe some of the lines he has in this movie. And He's just, got one of the dark territory lines. I think it's the worst one because it's just to himself. Uh, well, you know, he's a genius. He's got to hear himself talk. There's a lot of times in this movie where he's talking to himself. So, so the first order of business is to round up these captains so that they can get the access codes. Oh, right. Of course, yes. To the so, satellite. Yeah. So, you know, like, she's like, oh, what are, you, what are you doing? You're crazy. And he's like, I'm hacking into ATAC, Linda. And... Uh, <laughs> So he's hacking into ATAC. While dressed up as a bad 1990s stand-up comedian, by the way, the outfit that he has on yeah. previously was worn by Paul Reiser while standing in front of a brick wall. Like, he looks so cheesy. It's either stand-up comedian or shitty wannabe hip substitute teacher. Yeah, I was going to say, like, community college professor. Yeah, it's really one or the other. He oh looks God. ridiculous. Yeah, so, this so is an intro to literature. <laughs> the torture is like, we're going to shove a white hot needle into your eye. Or you can give me the access codes. Yeah, I'm so giving you those access yeah, codes. Yeah, they give him the access codes. And then he's just like, oh, them? I don't need them anymore. They can go. They can go. So how do, how do you get rid of a couple people you don't want? Uh, how does Peter Green scumbag... Expert, get yeah. rid of two Listen, scientists. I'll I'll give this movie this: this lady getting tossed off a bridge from the train car. Oh, it's a pretty good effect, man. Although, see, the man, the man he gets is more to- interesting. To me. He gets tossed off first, and then they just riddle him with bullets as Green, he's falling. Oh, yeah, fucking killing him 
And my favorite thing about the whole thing is that they cut from when the woman hits the fucking rock at the bottom of the river. Yep. They cut to Steven Seagal, and he says, God damn it. Oh, <laughs> that's right. Because at this point, Seagal has climbed out of the freezer, and he's like, oh, something's in, someone's in trouble. Let me get on the top of this train and start walking on the roof. Yeah. And he's walking on top of this train, and I'm thinking the whole time, like, we can't do that. Like, now you don't know. When you try to get back into this train, if someone's going to be standing right there. Yeah, you have no idea. He's just on this fucking roof for no reason. Stupid. And he sees them falling. He's like, oh, fuck. Look at that. The game is afoot. First blood has been shed. As if he, like, forgot his keys. Like, (laughs) oh, God God damn damn it. it. (laughs) Well, let me tell you, he's seen people die in his day. He's he's taken lives, Mm -hmm. okay? And he's seen lives get taken. And uh, in real life, he's bought lives. (laughs) To Many keep in his basement. Yeah. He's kept lives. Yeah, he's kept. He's, he's aged lives. <laughs> I play by his... finders keepers. <laughs> Down here in New Orleans, I'm a lawman of this parish. Was that where that show took place? Was uh, Louisiana? Yeah, yeah. That's where also his sex bunker was. Why did I think it was Arizona? I mean, that's just oh, another but, no, because crazy that, no, ass state. Well, no, Louisiana is where the bunker is. The dungeon is in Arizona. No, no, no. no, no. In Arizona... <laughs> I was thinking about running for governor. Was it really? So, I'm so conservative. And that, that crazy sheriff, Joe Papapow, wants to kill all these immigrants. And I'm thinking, it's not a bad idea. Not a, not a bad idea. Yeah. Was he ever in one of those machete movies? Was he, he was he's in the first in one. The right? first he's, one. He's, he's in the first machete. Which uh, I, actually, I, I haven't I think, seen the second one I yet. I think but... the second one's much better. It's oh. Because it's actually like they really, as far as the crazy factor goes... They yeah. go all out for it. Are you serious? The second one, it's I'm way crazy. Way, way, way crazy. Because I, uh, you know, call me old fashioned, but uh, I thought using a guy's intestines to support yourself as you jump out of a window was uh, pretty intense. But, and I, 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 I felt this You're from so the beginning. You're so old fashioned. <laughs> you really belong in 95. <laughs> that was the craziest part of that movie. Uh huh. This it's like from the beginning to the end. It's just crazy shit like that. Did Robert Rodriguez come back to direct that he movie? Did. Oh, look at that. Mel Gibson's the villain. Oh, he does a pretty good villain. Actually, get out of town. Yeah, right. I, I don't. I don't mind the sequel. Oh, well, there yeah. you go. So Steven Seagal's first order of business when he gets back in the train, he's assessed the situation. Is he's going to send a secret fax to his chef buddy? Yeah. Via hooking his Newton into a payphone. Yeah. yeah. What is it, no, this, this Newton thing? This is like a, a PDA. Yeah. It was like a, it was like, like a first generation, like electronic organizer. It's a wizard. It's yeah. a wizard. <laughs> it's a wizard, wait, Jerry. This isn't a wizard. This is a Willard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ruined. <laughs> but yeah, it was kind of like. You know, it was like a, it was like a filofax. I couldn't imagine using one of those things now. Like, oh, how rid- slow it must be. <laughs> oh, it would be ridiculous. And and I'll tell you what, Eric Bogosian, he makes a classic mistake <laughs> on a train that has Steven Seagal on it. He says over the PA, no hero shit. <laughs> you say that to Steven Seagal, it's like telling somebody, "Hey, don't think about hot dogs." Yeah. <laughs> oh. Hot dogs. Just got hungry. It, 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 you're no, you're just, right. It's like showing a bull red. Yeah, you know, I, I used to make, ask him to do it. I used to make hot dogs for the captain all the time. I cook for the captain. 
I don't cook for you, Gary Busey. Yeah, why don't you go talk to the captain? He's telling Give the captain a call. What's awesome is in that movie, he keeps telling people to go talk to the captain yeah. long after Gary Busey, while dressed as a woman, murders the captain. <laughs> but, dude, guaranteed, he used to pull that fucking shit for everything. Oh, absolutely. It was probably no different. It's just like, it's just like um, uh, Ryback. Come on, get out, get out of your bunk. You're sleeping. In, this is the military. You can't just sleep till till twelve forty five. Go ahead, go talk to the captain. All right. Yeah. Go talk, I, I cook for the captain. I feel like the untold story of this whole thing is that he saved the captain's life, or it was a thing where he saved the captain's hide. By Ooh. that I mean. He caught the captain hiding with a prostitute. <laughs> like it was a dead prostitute situation. And yeah. he was like, oh, boy, Ryback, you got to help me out of this jam. And he was like, okay, but if I do this for you, my next assignment on your ship, and I get to play by my own rules. Hey, Ryback, I'm- you want to flush the fucking toilet after you take the shit? <laughs> Let's go, go, talk, talk, to go talk to the captain, all right? Talk to the captain. <laughs> now, captain, I'll give it to this dead body, but I'm going to have to cook it. It's the only way out of this. You can feed it to your men. You know, we're making chili in the in the brig. I'm gonna <laughs> sear it. I'm gonna sear it with with a, a pear reduction. It's gonna be delicious. Steven Seagal as Hannibal. <laughs> oh, that show would have been instantly canceled. <laughs> Why don't you go talk to the captain, Will? So, uh, so <laughs> we get into Bogosian's whole plan here is that he's going to, uh, you know, he's he's he. Fires up the satellite, and his first point of order is to destroy a chemical plant in China. Oh, yeah, it goes down. Which, according to imdb.com, I don't know how reliable this is, and we actually did an episode on... I th- wait, did we do an episode? We did a live on? episode. Um, on, on Deadly Ground. On Deadly Ground. Oh, Apparently, yeah, it's the, the same factory. The scene of the destroyed industrial facility in China recycles unused footage. I don't know how unused this is. From On Deadly Ground... In on Deadly Ground, it's the Aegis oil facility. Yeah. Is it, uh, is it technically recycling the footage if it was unused in the first film? Um, yeah. I, w- I does Steven Seagal just have this lying around? Well, he serves as a producer on both movies. Oh, Actually, well, there you go. And didn't he direct on Deadly Ground? Am I remembering that right? That sounds right. But I'm I not think gonna... you're right. I think it was, that's why it was so preachy. It is his environmental passion project. Which is so weird that he's like an environmentalist. I just can't stand immigrants. Well, I mean, he's he's one of those conservative conservationists that they exist. Yeah, in 1915, <laughs> I, think, I think I think the one person that was that was Theodore Roosevelt, and after that, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. My, I think my father qualifies as a conservative conservationist. Oh, you know, actually, Richard Nixon wasn't that bad. Yeah, With, he was. You actually, know, he started the EPI. Yeah, exactly. For all his, for see, all his see, shenanigans. See, see, see. See, we're not just libtards. <laughs> There's one part where Eric Bogosian is, because um, he's trying to keep his uh, location secret, you know? He doesn't want anybody to know he's on a train. So he's doing a stupid, like, where, you know, wh- where in the world could I be coming to you from? And he has one of his terrorist buddies prop up a backdrop of Paris, and he stands in front of it, and he's like, oh, look at me. Maybe I am in romantic Paris. And I'm like, you know what, Eric Bogosian? Why don't we just stick to making threats? Yeah, what do you want? Face the nation? <laughs> the fuck do you need a fake backdrop for anyway? How about you're in, you're in, there's a fucking wall behind you in Paris? Yeah, 
Exactly. Just don't point the camera towards a window where yeah. everybody can see that you're on a fucking moving train. Go into a bathroom with a camera. That's <laughs> No, don't do that. <laughs> so people get in trouble. But you go talk to the captain, all right? <laughs> but that's like one of these things I'm talking about though. Like he's trying to make this like a fun villain. Yeah. And it is obnoxious. It's, it's really great. It really gets on you. <laughs> Really fucking steams my clams, this performance. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, fuck it as if the world at large wouldn't be on his ass the minute you fucking destroy a, a, a nuclear facility in China. That's the thing. The, one of the guys in the government is like, oh, well, don't worry about that, sir. We've got plausible deniability. I was like, something just blew up a chemical plant in China. They pass it off in the movie as like an earthquake or whatever. Because this is the um, this goddamn thing. This satellite basically shoots earthquakes. It like that's penetrates. The whole, that's oh, the is weapon. that what it does? That's what and then it does. one of the guy, well, like like one of the um, other evil hackers, is like, "Oh, I'm on the line with one of our investors. She'll say he'll pay you a, an additional hundred million dollars oh if oh, you blow up fucking... an airplane that his ex-wife is on." First of all, fucking Burt Reynolds do a pass on this. What the <laughs> fuck is going on here? I'd uh, shoot Lonnie right out of the sky. But it's like, dude, get the fuck over it. Yeah. And like, why are you going to kill all these people? Million, I'm sorry. You're missing $100 million. Here's the thing. If you have $100 million to get Eric Bogosian to do this with his satellite, you can find other cheaper ways to have your ex-wife murdered. Or maybe Eric Bogosian tested this before and blew up the plane that had Ryback's brother on it, and we, oh, uh, it's but 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 that's never mentioned. It's just uh, uh, planes crash all the time in 1995. I guess. Boy, it, uh, you know, it looks like this uh, this here 787 got hit with an earthquake. You know, your plane got hit with one of them air earthquakes. You see them all the time all the these time. days, <laughs> cropping up more and more. I think it's because of. Uh, Global warming. Well, you see, the plates underneath the plane, they hit each other, <laughs> and that's what causes the earthquake to happen. Isn't this just turbulence? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's, yeah. TSA so says, ah, there's just turbulence. Eric Bogosian does one of these sky quakes, and uh, the plane... Blows his plane out of the sky. We, we, you know, we didn't, that's the thing I have a little issue with, because we had a lot of these... Google Earth types of shots, and it's just like, there's the plane, and now it's getting red, which means the earthquake is hitting it, and now it's gone. That means the earthquake was successful. Oh, it's just bad computer graphics. I would, just, I would like to see, you know, some models explode or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. You can do it. Like, why don't you cut to the interior of that plane? Yeah. You have the character of the ex-wife, like... Maybe let she's being shitty pain. to somebody. Yeah, yeah. Let, me, let me see them suffer. Some Die Hard 2. I was yeah, going to say, yeah. you act very smart like Die Hard 2. You show that there's kids on the plane. That's what Die Hard 2 does. And it works because you feel even more terrible when that plane crashes. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you're upping the the evil factor. And I mean, exactly. we already know Eric Bogosian is pure fucking devil evil. But when he, he's he not wants... singing and dancing and making jokes, yeah, he's pure well, devil evil. The whole... <laughs> I mean, the whole team is kind of preposterous. Because I, another little line that I, I really, I, I, I it, it just made me chuckle. Um, <laughs> one of his guys is taking a kid by like the scruff of the neck and like throwing them to where like all of the passengers are. Oh and yeah, just says shut, shut that fucking bitch up. 
Yeah, and the kid right. is four years old. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's pretty crass. I guess that's why he's a villain. Eric Bogosian also has this. I think it might have been during the pay, the the Perry part where oh yeah he, just, he goes on like this little rant about I'm so smart. I'm smarter than all you guys. I'm smarter than you, NORAD or whatever. I was smarter than you before. I was smarter than you after. Yeah. the whole yeah yeah. It's just oh I my mean, god. He's peacocking. Yeah, it's obnoxious. He's really doing it. It's obnoxious. So, so when they get hip to Seagal, like, being on this train, uh, Eric Bogosian, or I guess, no, technically Everett McGill orders a sweep of the train. So Mike the Cleaner is like, all right, everybody, like, why don't you go sweep the train? He's up at front. He is hilariously wearing a conductor's hat, which is awesome. They murder the conductors, and he puts on a big choo-choo conductor's hat, which is great. <laughs> So he orders this guy to go, like, sweep the train. And Seagal, he's, like, right there. He's on the roof again. Again, he's on the roof of this train for some reason. And he fucking gets in a fight with this dude. And he shoots him off the train, like, off the front of the train. And this motherfucker gets hit by the train. And oh, we I see a movie dummy getting dragged for at least 100 feet before being swallowed up by the train. Well, the shot is great because it looks like the train is eating him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> honestly, it was one of my favorite parts of the movie. Like I, he's going I, into the mangler. I have. I, I guess some people are taken out of movies when they see dummies in peril, but I love it, man. Dude, throw dummies. I'll tell you what's great too. I just recently, for the first time, uh, the other night, I saw the Great Muppet Caper. Mm-hmm. It's one of the oh, only. That's, oh, that's a great one. Yeah, it's the, one of the only Muppet movies I hadn't seen. That's Charles Grodin, right? Yes, and let me tell you, the amount of puppet throwing in that <laughs> movie, oh, oh, it's great. They're yeah. throwing puppets left and right, and it's the greatest gag ever. A dummy or a puppet getting tossed someplace. I love it. Just give it to me. Give it, fucking give me two hours. And especially if it's a dummy that's getting eaten by the underside of a train. Oh, <laughs> it's perfect. And by the way, uh, Seagal, you know, he's taking out a few guys here and there now. And some of these some of these kills are pretty great because it's ridiculous. He just shoots the guys in the head. Like yeah, he shoots a guy yeah. in the head and like tosses him off the train. Like we get to we get to see the fucking strawberry mar- marmalade <laughs> Smash onto the fucking side of this train. There's an awesome... uh, Speaking of these casual deliveries, so, like, Steven Seagal decides he's going to make his presence known to the terrorists. And Morris Chestnut's like, hey, what are you doing? And he's, like, mixing all this stuff into a bottle. And he's like, I'm making a bomb. Oh, yeah, it's (laughs) coconut oil is one of them. Yeah, I don't remember all the glass. Oh, you gotta have glass. Lighter fluid. It's um, it's awesome. I like, don't know, like, Cheetos, maybe? <laughs> I'm just making a bomb. And it's fucking great because he it's there uh a couple of the cars on the train are like uh double decker cars, you yeah. know? Yeah. So all the terrorists have set up shop on the second level of one of these cars. So Steven Seagal, this is how he gets their attention. He runs up these stairs, it's like a little spiral staircase, runs up the stairs, throws this bomb at a fat guy. And runs the fat guy catches it. There's a there's a pager on it that just says you're fucked. <laughs> it's great. And it blows up and and then two fat guys catch on fire. And they're running around on fire for a while. It's and, amazing. And Eric Bogosian, because he's just like a coward hacker villain, is standing there petrified. Everett McGill comes up, puts bullets in their flaming skulls. Yeah. It's like 
put these people out. Like it's just, it's just Everett McGill He's is the blooded. villain in this movie. He's awesome in this movie. Well, Everett great. McGill, my favorite thing is that. So he he un, when he finds out. That this is Casey Ryback. Oh yeah! Oh, everybody knows he Ryback. Be- he He's becomes immediately hard, and yep. the, this whole movie, he just wants to fuck Steven Seagal. Oh yeah, the whole fucking thing. Like, there's one point wants where to he fight, fuck, fuck him. When he talks to Catherine Heigl about her uncle, he's like, "I never knew I could be so scared and yet so feel so alive." Yeah. it's like it's he's so fucking weird. It's like he is uh, like some sort of dude. Uh, like in the Sahara, like a poacher, mm-hmm. and he finds out, right, that he's going to get to hunt a white elephant. And he's like so excited to kill mm-hmm. this rare animal. It's like, here's Everett McGill's shot. Here's Penn's shot at taking down Casey Ryback. Next stop on this train, Boner Town. Yeah. By the way, right, right before. <laughs> Making he... all stops <laughs> to Boner Town. Like, I think it was right before he has that conversation with Catherine Heigl. She takes out her pepper spray. Oh, this is insane. And sprays him in the face and it does like nothing to him. He's just like licking his teeth. He's like, he goes, uh, he's like, ah, pepper spray. Citizen grade, pedestrian yeah. grade. Yeah, pedestrian like. grade. He says, uh, yeah, after a while, you just get used to it. Does nothing more than clean out the sinuses. And he takes it and it's like a, a can of banaca. He's just like, like right sprays it in his mouth, like. Mm, Meanwhile, Peter Green is like crying, like his eyes are on fire. It's awesome. You so think he just sits at home and sprays himself, and like, so he can build up a tolerance, like Homer Simpson, <laughs> on the eggs. <laughs> <laughs> so while Penn is rubbing himself off here, um, downstairs, Morris Chestnut's having a fashion show. Because he's not sure what he Holy what his shit. hero garb is. Talking about casual in this movie, yeah. Like talking man, about not knowing what to do with your character. Have him sit around for forty minutes trying on outfits, <laughs> and it's not even that many outfits. It's like different hoodies. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's really stupid. Well, the whole reasoning is because he's got his porter uniform on. And it's just a big white jacket, and Steven Seagal really is like, yeah. "Take that fucking white shit off." He's got some lines. Take that fucking white jacket off. So he forces Morris Chestnut to go through all the luggage to find the fucking just right outfit for oh such an occasion. <laughs> Meanwhile, like the fax finally goes through. Oh, right. The Newton finally transmits. Because, by the way, Steven Seagal keeps getting foiled by a busy signal. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, that, that, this fat chef was getting a lot of deals about travel to the Bahamas or something coming through <laughs> in his fax machine or some shit. Yeah, by the way, like, if you get a fax, like in 1995, I imagine if you get a fax, you're checking it. It's not just like, oh, the fax is running all day. My favorite thing yeah, is this, you check it. this fucking Mario Batali-looking motherfucker yeah. <laughs> goes to his fax machine, and he's instantly fucking furious that it's not the produce list. Oh, he's like, this isn't a produce list. Also, this guy that's this restaurateur, we get a little bit of backstory here. So between the events of the first movie and this one, Steven Seagal has opened a restaurant. Become a celebrity military he's, chef. He, yes, no, he's a celebrity <laughs> chef because the guy is like, oh, Steven Seagal, you've been away for too long. This is horse shit. Like, yeah. I can't keep this up. Like, these people are coming. He says, these people are coming here to see you. My food's so good, it's killer. <laughs> That's was, probably what the name of the place is called, killer I'm, food. This killer is, food. You got a problem with that? You talk to the captain, all right? Breakneck, I, cook, I, cook, I cook for the captain. Breakneck burgers. <laughs> Uh, I found this 
lump. I, I'm going to say a clump of hair in my pasta. <laughs> uh, I think this is someone's face. <laughs> Part of an ear here. You go talk to the captain. Yeah, can you, you tell to... me where this captain is? Is, is no, he yeah, in the yeah. restaurant? Well, you know what? If you can find him, you can talk to the captain. So, so I have to go outside the restaurant. So why don't you go try to piss up a flagpole, then try to talk to this captain, all right? Ah, uh, shit. Okay. Piss up a flagpole. <laughs> so, okay, so now, now Mario Vitale, is, he ends up calling up NORAD. He, the dials, he dials 1-900-CIA headquarters. <laughs> And gets instantly patched into this guy. And like, okay, it's like, they're in like the war room, and Kurtwood Smith and all these people are there, and this admiral's just like, like, he's like, oh, we got this call from some fat chef in Colorado, and he's like, all right, patch it through onto the fucking speakerphone in the entire building. Listen, we got nothing, we'll take suggestions from anybody, apparently this fat Coloradan chef has some insight into the situation. <laughs> Listen, I'm I'm all ears, everybody. I mean, I just watched half of China go fucking bye bye, so uh, I'm up for anything right now. And like, that's when they put it together. Like, like, like it. It's taken them a while to get to the point, and I'm like, in what world would the military waste their time hearing anyone call them like yeah. this? What's but, awesome, it, but it does pay off because it it's true. Because it's another scene of a bunch of people in a room going, Casey Ryback. Oh, Casey Ryback. 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 And then there's the one person who's like, bah, who's Casey Ryback? You don't know Casey Ryback? Where the fuck you been? You, you don't know Casey Ryback? You, you go watch Under Siege Part 1, all right? And then you, you talk to the captain. Yeah, then, then try to talk to the captain. <laughs> Step one. Watch Under Siege. Step two, go talk to the captain. So now that the government, they have some idea that it's on this train going to what 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 Well, they don't know it's on the train until the very end. Oh, right. But they, they, got, but they know Ryback's they know on Bogosian is wherever. Is, yeah, they know. Oh, because Bogosian makes like, he makes a Skype call, a 1995 Skype call to him. Right. And he's like, hey, remember me? And I faked my own death. And they're all like, oh, yeah, never found that body. Yeah. That's a mistake. <laughs> well, shit. Well, he's fucked us again. So, and we should also mention the one billion dollar, the, the, the blowing up of the Chinese nuclear power plant and the ex-wife assassination mid-air <laughs> were just kind of roll-ups to the big job, the big billion oh, dollar yeah, job. Billion dollar oh yeah, he's gonna cause an earthquake underneath the Pentagon, yep. which also houses a nuclear reactor. Yeah, I don't know if that's a true thing. I can't. I don't. A nuclear reactor, I imagine, has to be so many feet from the fucking Pentagon. Well, I feel like that would have been a thing you would have heard about on 9-11. Like, yeah. oh, a plane crashed into the Pentagon. Wow, that's really fucked up because there's a nuclear reactor there. Or would we have heard that? Because I believe, correct me if I'm wrong. Loose change. It was a <laughs> missile that actually hit the Pentagon and no plane at all. I think you're uh, confusing which podcasts you're oh. uh, you're on right now. I think that's what, hap that's oh, what happens. One I, of know, Eric's I'll, fugue I'll, states again. Yeah. He's phasing in and out. I'll go, I'll go talk to the captain. <laughs> yeah, he'll straighten you right yeah, out. Yeah, he'll, he'll tell you where to go. By the way, at this point now, now Steven Seagal's still running around the... He's just yeah, randomly he's back, killing people. Just running and killing. He's back on the roof again at some point. He gets, <laughs> he gets up roof. and off this roof like three times. And the female black sniper is now after him a little bit. And they're going around a curve. And she's trying to snipe him from the other side of the train. 
And uh, let me just say, if you guys haven't seen Snowpiercer yet, I recommend checking it out because it reminded me of that. Yeah, I mean this. I mean it's a good. It, this movie really reminded me of like Narrow Margin and like those famous like train movies. Yeah, and it while it's on the and since it is only thirty minutes, it kind of works. However, and this is you know a thing, they stop in the middle of the movie and the train stops and they oh, all. Yeah. Our main character gets off the train at one point. Yeah. As does Morris Chestnut. Yeah. And you know, there's a big fuck around. You were saying about, like, you know, these train movies. Yeah. And I was just thinking, like, the great train robbery, this, that, and the other. It kind of doesn't make sense to hijack a train after the Civil War. <laughs> not, not, not really, it no. Doesn't, I mean, their whole reasoning for picking a train... It's some horseshit thing about the fact that they're constantly moving the whole time. Yeah. yeah. And it's something with, like, their satellites or some dog shit. But you're right. It's just like the last one was on a boat. Let's put this in a train. It's sort of, it's sort of like, you know, like... Speed? It's, it's, yeah, right, exactly. Or, like, <laughs> when they would always pitch movies, like, it's like Die Hard, but on a train. Right, you know? right, right, right. Yeah, right. just change the location. Oh. You, so how they it. pitched that, uh, that film, I think it was called, like, Terror Train or something with Jamie Lee Curtis. They yeah. were like... Oh, it's like Halloween, but uh, I don't know. It's on a train. Oh, okay. Here's yeah, $5 works. million. Dollars. Go make that movie. Well, that movie did not cost $5 million. <laughs> but... <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> Maybe, you know, certainly Jamie, not... Le... Jamie Lee Curtis might have gotten 30, you know, 30 grand from that. But It like... certainly wasn't $5 million 1980s money. Certainly that's not. That's for sure. <laughs> so there, there's yeah. a little fucking around. They get off the train. and uh, There's this... an awesome scene where they're hanging over this cliff. It's like Steven Seagal gets tossed off this cliff. And he's trying to figure out how to climb back up. Because he looks like he's about to die. I mean, yeah. he's got cowboy boots on, entirely impractical. Yeah, these aren't rock, uh, these aren't rock climbing shoes. Not a single no. carabiner. I'll There's no way, I, you know, it's movie magic. But, like, how does he even hold on to this ledge? It's amazing. It's, it's astounding. It's, it's, it is astounding. I think it's because he had the foresight to go talk to the captain before. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, always cap- a good I move. mean, if you do talk to the... I mean, if you're Steven Seagal mm-hmm. and you talk to the captain, you can get some <laughs> shit done. You know, I heard you and the captain can make it happen. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> but team. so the whole thing at this point in the film is they're trying to get this CD-ROM oh. that Morris Chestnut stolen out of Eric Bogosian's computer. And they have a tower in this. They have. The yep, <laughs> it's like a fucking what? What were they called? Packard Bell. Was that the name of making computers? Hewlett Packard. Well, there's Hewlett Packard. CompUSA. Oh, oh no, CompUSA was a store. Whatever. It's a gateway computer. A gateway. Yeah, gateway. gateway. Oh, shit, those are the ones with the cows. Yeah, the big cow logo on the side of so, this computer. Uh, if you're wondering, gateway computers is not really a thing anymore because they were supporting terrorism in the 90s on a train. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. They gave, they gave this one free to Eric Bogosian. <laughs> yeah. Um, so st- this CD-ROM has all the launch coordinates Something, something. Something or other. So, uh, basically, Eric Bogosian's plan doesn't work without this CD-ROM. Morse Chestnut steals it. So it, then they separate. So one faction goes after Morse Chestnut. The other faction goes after Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal has fallen off this mountain, and he's hanging on by a thread. And this guy belays down, and Steven Seagal jumps off of the mountain onto this dude who's hanging by this rope and starts fucking fighting him. While hanging from a rope. It's awesome. Pretty yeah. cool stuff. It's pretty fantastic. And then another guy comes down and Steven Seagal just shoots him and the guy falls and he's like, huh, these guys keep getting 
what does he say? He's like, these guys just keep getting dumber and dumber or something like that. It's raining men. <laughs> Man, if he fucking said that. <laughs> That's the best line of the movie. <laughs> hey, better watch out down there. It's raining men. Yeah. Somebody go tell the captain. Look in, out, nobody. In in my <laughs> alternate universe where where he's a fashionable gay man, having like that's what's happening, right? Yeah. And it's awesome. And we should get to a point. Where I I want that movie to happen. I guess. Uh, yeah. I mean, I want I mean, that movie could, to I happen. Mean, I mean, it's it's not impossible. I'm I mean, sick you'd, of the, you'd have to sit down with Steven Seagal for a few all hours. I'm, is, I'm, I'm just s- telling you. I'm sick of all the Hollywood-coded gay villains and no, like, gay hero action stuff. Yeah, code me a gay hero. I could do it. I could be up for that. I can't wait. Yeah. Um, and have it not be in a Greg Araki movie, please. <laughs> <laughs> so, there's an awesome part where Morris Chestnut gets back on the plane, and Peter Green's, like, about to murder him. And he's like telling him, like, oh, okay, well, you want to face the gun or face away? I'll give you the choice. And it's like so poorly done because the whole time you know that Steven Seagal is sneaking up behind this guy. Yeah. You don't see him, but you know he's there because Morris Chestnut's doing a bad job of like fake looking in his direction. And he's just like, uh, hey, man, you going to help me out here? And then Seagal comes in and breaks this dude's neck. Yeah. It's it's a pretty sweet neck break. And and Morris Chestnut actually when while you know it's raining men for Seagal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Chestnut is killing uh the one very very open racist oh, of Bogosian's oh. crew. Yeah, that's right. He gets the racist guy. That's pretty great. He just fucking shoots this dude. This guy, I mean, and like the guy is I mean, this According to the backstory, Penn has culled all of these people from the very best oh, terrorist organization. They're the best of the best. And this guy gets fooled by Morris Chestnut turning and putting his hand in his fucking hoodie pocket. Oh, it's crazy. Get the fuck out of here. They're looking for the CD-ROM, and his hoodie pocket had ripped open, so he doesn't know where the CD-ROM is anymore. Everett McGill finds it under the train on the tracks. Okay, Young listeners may not know. It's scratched. It's scratched. There's the shit. no fucking way that CD's working <laughs> it's anymore. It's not working. No. 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 And also, the, like the beginning of the movie, Eric Bogosian is like, he's just holding it, data side, fingers all over it. He's kissing it. This CD's gonna skip. No. Yeah. It's yeah. It's exactly. so stupid. He, he gets very weird with his computer programs. There's a point where he starts singing to all his ghost satellites. Oh, yeah. Well, this brings me to the single worst part of this movie, in my opinion. It's, an, it's one of those scenes where Eric Bogosian's just alone. No one is within earshot. He's doing a Rod Serling impression yep. of the opening Twilight Zone narration. Oh, yeah. Yep. And instead of saying, there's a signpost up ahead, next stop the Twilight Zone, he says... There's a signpost up ahead. Next stop, dark territory. Oh, yeah. wow, wow, wow. <laughs> wow. It's the dumbest thing ever. And he's doing a really bad Rod Serling impression. Yeah. And it's not funny. It's not fun. And I'm throwing up all over well, my that couch. That was the line that I was, talk- I was thinking about earlier. It's like he's just by him. He's not even talking to Penn. He's just by himself. And he's saying this shit. You're traveling through another dimension, a dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind. That's a signpost up ahead. Your next stop, Dark Territory. 
around now, I think the government finds like they got a lock on the satellite. They found it again. Finally, they know it's a yeah. train. And uh, they shoot the satellite, and they're like, "Yes, oh, we did it." And it turns out they didn't do it. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they, they just shot, shot down some other sa- some other satellite. Yeah, whoopty fuck. Great. Though the job, stakes movie. are higher under Siege Two, and I mean that's just kind of it. Like for the rest of the movie, it's Seagal blowing shit up and fighting people. Yeah, while I mean, they tried to find the right fucking satellite to kill. And obviously, yeah. Catherine Heigl's a hostage at this point, but they never really torture her or go for it. No, like no. Everett McGill finds out that she's his niece. But then, they don't do anything about it. They, they just, just take her, her. Yeah, they, yeah. They put her in a room for 30, 40 minutes of the movie. I was expecting a Gary Oldman Air Force One. You have fucking ten minutes to fucking do this thing, or yeah. I'm shooting this person in the head. Man, Gary Oldman was good in that thing. He is. He's so great in that he movie. He makes that awesome yeah. for me. God, yeah. It's around this time. There's another hilarious exchange that I wanted to mention. It's when Steven Seagal, like. Again, because he's climbing through the air ducts on this train and all sorts yeah. of horse shit. He How bursts... small are air ducts on a train? I know. They're definitely not housing Steven Seagal. Yeah. A 1995 Steven Seagal, that's for sure. Yes, I just imagine like all people are looking up at the vents and it's just shaking back and <laughs> forth. <laughs> you don't like it? Go talk to the captain. <laughs> but so he pops out of one of these events in the bathroom. And there's this woman in there, like one of the hostages, who's using the bathroom. And he's like, oh, but be quiet, be quiet. We'll go talk to the captain in a minute. Oh, yeah. So he's like, I'm here to help. I'm going to devise a plan. you got to help me with it. Hooters! So the guy, the guy outside is like, hurry up in there, lady. What are you, taking a dump? And this woman opens the door. And she's like, got her shirt open. And she goes... Oh, I'm sorry, my bra broke. And then Steven Seagal emerges from behind this tiny lady and just shoots this guy. But here's the thing is you gave that line reading like more 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 emotion at all. Her, she was just like, I broke my bra. <laughs> yeah. I broke my bra. And then after after, only after he murders this man, Steven Seagal looks at a dead body and goes, huh. Tits to die for, huh? Oh, mercy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Somebody should have brought this screenplay to the captain. Meanwhile, now the terrorists are realizing they're being murdered at record high numbers. <laughs> yeah. And one of the guys, like, says to Everett McGill, like, you know, you fucked this shit up, you know? Oh, yeah. And Everett McGill just, like, gets this guy and, like, chokes and, like, rips it, you know, like, just murders this guy. Like, just sends him to another dimension. He murders him so well. <laughs> And he's like, does anyone else think I fucked up? And I mean, at this point, it's him, Bogosian, the woman, and like two other guys. Yeah. The, the herd has really he's thinned out. He's got a point there, Penn. But there are reinforcements on the way because, what's that? A chopper, I hear? Oh, yeah, dude. You got to have a chopper Ooh. in this movie. Wait, but isn't, well, it's, it's wartime. Is this copter or chopper? No, these oh. are definitely choppers, man. You deal yeah, with mercenaries. Wep- weaponized. Weaponized. weaponized they're, they're choppers? Okay. Yeah, it's not copters. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's choppers. I just wanted to make that clear. No, no, you're, you're right. Uh, you're figured, right. It would you're be, right in addressing the situation. We appreciate okay. it very okay, much. Okay, good. I'm <laughs> glad. Def- we definitely need to distinguish copter and chopper shots. <laughs> By the way, um, I, I did note that um, he, uh, in speaking of uh, Casey Ryback, uh, 
Penn does say he scares me and I like it. Ah, oh, yeah. Well, he's getting hard. Yeah, this is like it's getting really... hard for Seagal. So. And it gets and it, actually my favorite scene of the sequence of the movie is when he takes Catherine Heigl and like strings are up weirdly. This is one of the worst examples of like the poor editing in this movie because it just cuts from one scene to Everett McGill has already just strung her up like at random. There's no warning about this. There's no like scene before it where like he says, uh, you know, oh, when I come back here, if you're not doing something like things are going to get much worse. It's like there's definitely stuff missing from this. scene. Oh, yeah. She's already strung up. She's in like mid yell, you know, and he's just like, all right, yeah, I'm going to kill you. And then Steven Seagal comes on. This is like the big fight. end fight of the movie. Right. Right. So like. <laughs> McGill puts a grenade in Katherine Heigl's hand and is like, you know, don't drop this, blah, blah, blah. And then they have this awesome hand-to-hand fight. The whole time, he's like, oh, I can't wait to take Casey Ryback hand-to-hand combat. Guns are out of the question. We're just doing this mano y mano. They both have knives. It's a big fight. Everett McGill gets super killed. I don't remember exactly how he kills him, though. I, there's a lot of like tossing him into kitchen stuff. Obviously, that's oh, what Casey Ryback's known for. It's a neck break. Oh yeah, yeah, neck breaks, nice little sli- well, slices. Well, he what what happens is Casey Ryback stabs him in the liver, and he comes, and then he <laughs> says, "I'm ready to go." He comes. He comes. Everett McGill comes because he's been so hard to fight uh-huh. Casey Ryback. Oh, yeah. very so good. He, he, not only did I get to fight him, I got bested by him. Oh. Well, there's, no there's no shame in being beaten by the best. <laughs> in fact, the, there's quite a lot of pleasure by to way, be beaten by the best. So Morris Chestnut somehow got onto that helic, that excuse me, chopper, the chopper, and he fights with the um, the, the, uh, black the sniper chick. Yeah, the sniper chick and him go at it, and, and then... he kicks her because he, he's on the ladder. Yeah, right. Like Steven Seagal says, like get up there and like keep this chopper from going away, and she follows him up. And they have like a little bit of a fight in the helicopter, and he totally just murders this woman. He, yeah, he kicks her out, and she just lands on the train, which is a great shot. Nice dummy use again. Again, this dummy use. It's the yeah, third it. example of awesome dummy use. And in this one movie. of the guys, and one of the guys from uh, when it's raining men, one of he, he gets dummied. Oh yeah, he gets his oh, head right. slams on one of the rocks. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, sick dummy throws, man. So, yeah, so then Morris Chestnut puts a gun up to this helicopter pilot. The pilot is working for Everett McGill, and he's like, now you're going to stay here and get this ladder lower. I'm going to blow your fucking brains out or whatever and he, he says. And he also says, like, like, sure did, baby, because the pilot kind of had a thing with the girl that he just murdered. And oh, the pilot right. doesn't even turn around. He just assumes that the girl murdered this thing. Oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so there's, uh, there's some fun interplay there. <laughs> so we're down to Eric Bogosian. Everything has gone awry. Like this, it's not going to work out for Eric Bogosian. Catherine Heigl drops this hand grenade like by his feet as they're kind of running out, and it blows up. He's like not killed, but he's kind of injured. And there's that final comfort. Well, second to final <laughs> confrontation. Well, because Eric Bogosian is not taking Casey Ryan. No, and the whole thing is. Bogosian has set the train on a different track, so it's going to run head on right, into to this territory. oil train. Well, they're in dark territory. Okay. Dark territory, by the way, is just a thing where, like, because of the the coverage of mountains or whatever, they can't use radios. That's right, all it means. Yeah. So 
they're going to run head on into this oil train. And Eric Bogosian says that there's no way to stop his attack on the eastern seaboard to destroy Washington, D.C. and what, whatnot. Yes. And uh, he's lying. Well, they stop. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, well it, here's it, the thing. It, it, it turns out to be a lie. He's like, oh, oh, you know, oh, really? Oh, there's, there's no way to stop that, huh? Oh, okay. And he just shoots like the cellular telephone strapped to his laptop on his, bo- on yeah, his body. Oh, right. And it's just like it instantly dies then. Boom. It's like the connection's lost. So He goes, so, oh, I didn't think of that as he like doubles over dying. Yeah, and he falls out of the train, shots in the belly. Yeah. Says the man who created a weapon that shoots earthquakes <laughs> anywhere on the world, but, anywhere on the planet. Via the internet CD-ROM that he somehow didn't think you could sever an a connection to the internet or whatever. I just figured with all my free AOL hours, this weapon would have been just, up forever. You know what? I just figured there wouldn't was be that, any guns near guys, this thing. Was that an AOL disc <laughs> that they were fucking looking for? A trial disc is what it is. Yeah, it was. It was your fucking <laughs> fucking thirty day trial of AOL. It's before you could get instant messenger on its own, but you yep. were, you had to have the profile and everything. Oh, you had to have the whole thing. Norad was just chatting with him on on instant <laughs> messenger, like, hey, come on. Don't do this. So please. the trains collide. They're running out. Catherine Heigl gets pulled up in the ladder, but Seagal is like running out the back of this train and he's running through all the cars to get. They've crashed at this point. Mike it's the Cleaner is killed. Like he's not in this movie for like 55 minutes. Yeah. And then you see him for a split second before still, the train. <laughs> still driving the train and he's like, oh. He's still got like the locomotive head on. He's just like, uh-oh, Walter. And then it just fucking blows up. He's instantly killed. Every shot like that, I kind of want the guy to always be eating a sandwich. Yeah, just totally just caught off guard. a big fucking sloppy sandwich. He's mid-meatball. A, n- a nice and- eyeballs. <laughs> and like, like his grip on the sandwich loosens slightly before impact. So like all this ham starts falling out. Oh, no. <laughs> this piece and of then- lettuce is sticking out of his fucking mouth. Yeah, that's what I want. And then there's a chain of events that is so implausible, I just couldn't even believe that they decided to do this in the movie. So, Eric Bogosian had been shot, and he fell out of the train. There is this garbage CGI shot we have. It's amazing. Of him, like, on the side of the tracks. Like, on the ground, just like, uh, 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 uh. like, he's just dying. It's so terrible. And then the train starts blowing up, and you're like, wow, he's dead huh okay that's cool Seagal makes it out he jumps onto the ladder he jumps out of the caboose jumps onto the ladder in midair heroic escape it's fantastic somehow Eric Bogosian is now hanging on to the helicopter's ladder right get out of town somebody better go take this up with the captain it's like the Batman and Joker now yeah it's insane like just let him die back at that explosion because it's just 30 seconds later, Steven Seagal just fucking kicks him, right. and he falls into the fire anyway. It's even better than that, because they're, cr- they're crawling up this ladder under the chopper or whatever, and oh, right. they get up there, and like Eric Bogosian's already, his, 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 tw- his tasteful tweed jacket's already burning. <laughs> Ridiculous. And he's got his, his hands like gripping on the side of it. Seagal just quickly closes the door to this thing, and it slices all of his fingers off, oh, right. and then he falls into it. That's right. Which makes me wonder, 
what exactly is the velocity needed to slice fingers off with a door? Well, in Grand <laughs> Budapest, they have it right because it's just like a real quick slam. And like it's, it's on the side and it's it makes sense there. This is a well, little, like the sliding across. I don't know if that works as well. The as sliding across makes less sense than it does in Grand Budapest. Because mm. Grand Budapest, it's like it's between where the door is closing and the door. So that makes right. sense. This is like the bottom of you the door frame. You think you'd be pushed. Right. It, yeah, you would just get pushed. The hand be pushed would get pushed over. And then sure, maybe, maybe fingers get cut off. But Unless you're probably maybe, just going to let go. Do you think this like... They're like sharpening this chopper door because I mean, it's like it is, such a weaponized copter at this point that it's they're a sharpening chopper the doors. It's a chopper that's owned by villains, so it's possible they sharpen the doors like knives. A chopper with a chop door. <laughs> oh my god! Shit, that's oh oh my god! It, it chopper stands for so much. Um, how does he not have that line though? Like talk about a chopper. That would be great, right? As Bogosian falls into the flames and, and then dies. he pisses on him. <laughs> I, Speaking of, I want I, to recommend MacGruber at this point. Very, oh God, very, yes. uh, very underrated, awesome, hilarious movie. One of my it's favorite fan, comedies it, of the last decade. I would it's say. fantastic. Love that MacGruber man. I would love if Steven Seagal. Um, you know, speaking of the Grand Budapest, he just he he takes a handkerchief and he starts picking up all the fingers. <laughs> he just has them in his pocket. He's gonna make a, he's gonna make a jambalaya with them. I bet. So so now that his niece is safe, Casey Ryback goes and visits his brother's grave, who he hadn't spoken to five years prior to his death, so there was no closure there. <laughs> there still isn't because he's yeah. dead. <laughs> I never thought I never have a chance. <laughs> you get Steven Seagal back in those dress whites. Yeah. He's yeah. looking very handsome. Oh, beautiful. And it just ends there's some bullshit song about brothers. It's a it, they managed to find a song that's about brothers. And trains. The same song. A guy singing about hanging out with his brother and they're riding on trains. Oh, God. I wish I paid attention to that. <laughs> There's also a dumb thing where uh, I don't know. I don't remember if it's like Seagal calls in or what the deal is. But somebody is like, hey, the hostages are saved. And everybody that's in like the little NORAD area starts cheering. Mm -hmm. I'm like, listen. That doesn't make sense. You're just happy that Eric Bogosian has been stopped. You don't give a fuck about these hostages. That's not your motivation as a secret government shadow organization. BT dubs, nuclear crisis in China. <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah. that's happening. Maybe Whatever. we should be, you know, putting our fucking, you know, okay, it's great Eric Bogosian is like, you know, and flame food and everything, <laughs> but like. <laughs> Let's be honest here. There's a fucking <laughs> nuclear crisis that just happened in China. Maybe we need to fucking take care of that before we fucking start slamming ourselves on the back. But yeah. the biggest piece of bullshit in this entire movie, I will say, is the fact that they've done all this stuff. Bogosian's dead. Blah, blah, blah. They still have the Grazer One satellite. Yep. And they decide to destroy it. Bullshit. Oh, oh no yeah. Way. Now yep. that the government has complete control of it, it's cost probably... More than the billion dollars that Bogosian <laughs> wanted, more. you're keeping that satellite. Kurtwood oh, Smith, yeah. Over Kurtwood Smith's dead body, you're getting oh, rid of that fucking yeah. satellite. From no. my cold, <laughs> dead, dumbass hand. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, man. That's I did not think of that, but you're absolutely right. They're not blowing that up. No way. No, no, no. Nope. No, no. <laughs> would anybody recommend Under Siege 2 Dark Territory? I would. It's nowhere. It's, it's a super inferior sequel. It's not a good movie, but it's so 
dumb and it's fun. There's great kills. There's there's a bunch of marmalade on the walls. There's yeah. dummies <laughs> flying. Um, you could certainly find better things to do with your time, but you could probably find worse things to do with your time. Sure. I mean, this is a strong recommend for me. This is one of probably my favorite Seagal movies. And like like I said, I remember this movie almost beginning to end. I don't remember much of the first Under Siege, and I don't know if it's I saw because... The, I saw the second one before I saw the first one. And I, this well, is almost yeah. exactly what I want from a Seagal movie. It's 90 minutes long, you're fighting people, there's a lot of bad lines, and there's a big <laughs> hammy villain in the middle of it. Yeah, you're, That's really all I want, and he, you know what? It's It works, and all the deaths are really good. Oh, yeah. I, big recommend. This is a solid recommend for me, too. This is a perfect summer blockbuster movie. It was released, actually, I just looked it up, July 14th, 1995. Ooh. So this time next year, 20th anniversary. That's creepy. They're going to put out the Blu-ray. That's how they do it. Well, actually, I think it's already out. Oh, no, I mean a special edition Blu-ray. You know what's insane? I didn't even put this together. We're recording this right now on July 14th. Oh, there we go. Oh, my 19 God. years ago to the day. Years young. You oh, could have seen this movie. Holy God. shit. Fuck. I'm, now I'm really going to have to talk to that captain. <laughs> I re- I reel it now. I no, have to. I think next. I think next summer you might. You maybe you know before the end of 2014, somebody pitches an Under Siege remake, and just in time for Under Siege, the new one to come out, they put out the Under Siege two. Would you remake Blu-ray. it, or would you just do another one with with Seagal playing you, Casey Ryback? You I think you start Seagal. from the beginning and you replace Seagal. You can't mm. at this point. Seagal is n- like, you, yeah. You he's get self-parody. somebody like who doesn't cost you like Cam Gigandet or whatever or the fuck. Who? What are you even saying? <laughs> That's an actor's name, Cam Gigandet. Yeah, who it's the fuck Cam C A M. Yeah, I got that part. G I G A N D E T. From what? He's um he's in that martial arts movie Never Back Down with Amber Heard. He's the villain in that. Uh, he was I, in I'll that, take your word for it. There was a movie recently where he uh, it's like Bad Johnson or something like that, where his <laughs> penis comes and starts talking to him. What? <laughs> you want this guy to take over the Casey he's, Ryback Empire? He's physically fit. Uh huh. He costs nothing. Clearly, if he's doing a talking cock movie, I think. I mean, I, I, I'm saying. Oh, hey, I think what? that's where you're ending up. I, 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 I think I, you I will shoot see that. for bigger. I'll say. You know what? Um, um, Justified's wrapping up soon. I could see him in an action movie. For fuck yeah, dude! But then it would have Olafon? to be good. Well, Olafon. I mean, after Hitman, it better be good. Yeah, I wonder what he's gonna do about movies after Justified. Because yeah. it's one more season and he's out of oh, there. God damn. I still got to finish this season. Didn't it's do it. It's a good season. Really? Yeah. Strong season. Uh, Michael Rappaport as a like Alabama, like Alabama yeah. hick gangster. Pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I got, I mean, I got to him, but that accent's just not there. Yeah. It's really not. I mean, it's, it's, definitely, it's definitely one of the weaker seasons, but I think the show still delivers. It's a great show. Yeah. That's Under Siege 2, Dark Territory from 1995, directed by Jeff Murphy. If you want to get a hold of us, check out our website, whmpodcast.com. There you will find back catalog episodes that are not available on iTunes. Click on the Episodes tab, and you can have hours of laughs ahead of you uh, if you are new to the program. Uh, Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash wehatemovies, and follow us on Twitter. We are at... WHM podcast right into the mailbag. We all hate movies at gmail.com and rate and review the show wherever you subscribe to it. 
Next week, we have the final episode of our summer blockbuster extravaganza before. That's right. We go on summer vacation. We will be on break for the month of August. Uh, got a little bit of a surprise in store uh, for new listeners and old listeners. Uh, so don't fret. We won't technically be gone, but uh, we're taking August off. So I figure we'll let you know now. But clue for next week's episode, Eric Siska. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. The secret of the ooze. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, we're, we're trying to figure it out. Yeah, you know, <laughs> take, take your time. Try to figure it out. We're all going to be the on ooze. hand. Ooh, you're going to be doing the Bella Lugosi voice all next week? Is that what people have to look I'm forward gonna to? I'm going to be in character. <laughs> all four of us will be on hand next week to talk about, oh, what a bad movie the second Turtles is. I can't wait. I can't wait to get chatting about the second Ninja Turtles. <laughs> I'll tell you this, though. In anticipation of part two, I rewatched part one. Oh, solid. I that wasn't it enjoying it. What? I, I don't know. Get out of your own house. <laughs> I mean, I, uh, I mean, I was still liking it. It just wasn't as great as I remembered it being. It's a little slow. I it is it slow. Being a little slow. That was my problem with it. Hmm. Um, but other than, I mean, as compared to what we're about to talk about next week, yeah, that's true. And actually. the third one, which is fucking well, ridiculous. And how about the new one? Which we'll see how that turns that's, out. That's gonna. I can't wait. You know, we might end up if honestly, if it's a real, real dudder, we might see two turtles up in a year. Two yeah. turtles up, and another little hint for you—a little teaser, little uh, animation damnation going to be coming out yeah. on the uh, Ninja Turtles cartoon show. It's a lot of turtle-related stuff next week. It's going to be pretty right. exciting. The, uh, what was it? Yeah, the '80s show. The '80s Turtles. show, yeah. yeah, the best. Finally okay. coming out of our shells. <laughs> <laughs> Bam! Did it. Oh God. Got it. So until next week, when I hopefully recover from that joke, I'm Andrew Jupin. Chris Cabin. Eric Siska. Take it easy. 